Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans, welcome to Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week, we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and today we're kicking off football season with a special guest, Dallas Morning News Cowboys writer David Moore. We'll talk about Texas tailgating culture and our favorite tips and recipes. Does that include coleslaw? Stick around and see. It all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make every recipe in the cookbook foodie or a my favorite recipe is reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're so excited to have you here with us to kick off football season, which is a very special food time of year for us. Be sure to visit dallasnews.com food after this for detailed show notes of everything we talk about, including some recipes. If you want us to answer your questions or send us your own favorite recipe, email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Later on, we'll have Dallas Morning News Cowboys writer David Moore on the show to talk about football and tailgating. Right now, I'm joined by food reporters Sarah Boscovich and Claire Baller to talk about the latest food and restaurant news. So guys, I know last week, Sarah, you did a story on this, the Bon Appetit list of 50 best restaurants in the country, and two were in North Texas. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's right. We should back up to say zero were in Dallas proper, which is a surprise to me. That's true. We do have two in North Texas outside of Dallas proper, La Onda in Fort Worth and El Rincón del Maíz in Garland. That's amazing to not have any inside Dallas proper. I agree. And so these two restaurants, I did see a lot of people online kind of curious about this. They hadn't been to either one of these restaurants. And so what do we think about Bon Appetit choosing these two restaurants out of all the options in North Texas? I think it's surprising. Mm -hmm. I think it's odd. I think it's very special for both of them. Uh, And these are two pretty interesting spots. So they are worth trying out. Are either of them the best new restaurant that opened even in Dallas, Fort Worth in the past year? In my opinion, no. So to see them on a list of best new restaurants nationally is a wild surprise. Claire, uh, what do you think? I was excited to see Garland on that list. I was not expecting it. Equally surprised as Sarah is, but it's not often that you see a suburb like Garland making a national list like this. So I think that's pretty exciting. Also, from my understanding, El Rincón is a largely vegan um, right. taqueria. And that's also interesting that a vegan spot it is very interesting. Got this kind of attention. I think also the variety is super important. Right. Like if you zoom out all the way to Texas, you find there's a place in Lubbock that made this mm-hmm. list. There are two restaurants in Austin and there had to be something in Austin. Austin is an excellent right. food city. Um, there's March Restaurant in Houston. There's a barbecue place in San Antonio. So I think also not only in a state, but on the whole list, you have to have, you know, some vegan options. It right. would be great to have barbecue, even though barbecue is not always considered highbrow and they might accidentally err on the side of of fancy restaurants. So you pull in taco shops and barbecue places and that brings it all much more every man, every woman. I'm sure they were thinking about that, not only when they picked these two in DFW, but also just the whole, the mix of the whole list. And I'm also curious about how they're selecting very kind of small family owned restaurants. Mm -hmm. And I know in the past they chose Cow Noodle Shop as I think it was their number two restaurant in the whole country. And the response and the amount of business they've had to deal with was really overwhelming for them. 
was. It was positive and negative. So it will be really interesting to check in with these two restaurants in a little bit and see mm-hmm. how they fare, if they're able to keep up with the new attention. And last week, we had a wonderful discussion about pizza. Thank you to Sarah for setting all of that up over at Pizza Getty. And thanks to Pizza Getty for allowing us to take over a whole corner of their restaurant. That was a lot of fun. And we got a lot of great feedback. Hi, this is Pam Duffy from Dallas, Texas. I saw your email asking for the best pizza in Dallas. And I can't believe this is even a question. Because the best pizza in Dallas is absolutely from the pizza guy. These pizzas are so good that when they come into our house, there are never any leftovers. It's just delicious. Always extra cheese and it's, you know, that cheese that gives you the nice string when it pulls off and the toppings are fresh and delicious. You can't not try the pizza guy. All right. What's the best pizza place in Dallas Fort Worth? It's kind of a loaded question. Greenville Avenue Pizza Company. Great thin crust pizza. Connie Rosso. Great Neapolitan style pizza. Thunderbird. Detroit style pizza known nationally. Three great brands. Three great pizza. As for the best one, me personally, I love Gabco. Cool atmosphere, delicious from scratch pizza. For me, they're the go-to. Plus, they have the best wings. You know, that's bonus points, right? Thanks so much, guys. And remember, if you have anything you want to tell us, you can record a voice memo or just send us an email at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Now we're going to move on to the big food debate of the week. Um, This one kind of surprised me a little bit. There was a big discourse on Twitter about coleslaw. I think it was a Washington Post columnist who lives in Dallas who actually started this very polite fight. But she tweeted, why is coleslaw still a thing? Does anyone really like coleslaw in 2022? What do you guys think? I'd love it. I mean, well, I love the coleslaw argument. Right. And I love that the people who love coleslaw are polite. Yes. And I personally also enjoy coleslaw. And I do feel as though there's like a right way and all the others are wrong. So for me, it's a mayo-based coleslaw. Oh, okay. A thinner mayo uh, sauce-like thing. And then the the cabbage sits in it. Mm -hmm. And then it must be served with a slotted spoon. But if I'm going to scoop it, whether this is like, I don't know, at a barbecue place where you can serve yourself or at your own picnic you scoop like all the way to the back or down at the bottom so that you get some of the mayo-y stuff. Right. But then you're in a slotted spoon. So then you kind of like shake, shake, shake yeah. it off yeah. and put it in your bowl or on your plate. And that's the perfect mayo coleslaw. That's interesting. I sort of prefer the vinegar-based ones. Ooh, okay. I mean, I don't have a strong preference either way. I so. am snuggly in between you two. I like <laughs> a mayo and vinegar coleslaw. Oh. Like the acid and the fat coming together. Agree with Sarah wholeheartedly. Can't be a super thick mayo situation. I mean, a little bit of vinegar, it makes like food sense, but it also, it's a nice balance. Do you guys put it on sandwiches? No, mm -mm, never. See, that's how I like it. I kind of prefer it on something. Whoa. I kind of like it on like a pulled pork barbecue sandwich. It does get quite soggy sometimes. Drippy. Drippy. Yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that you have to eat like right away. The pulled pork sandwich is the only sandwich I can think of, and I would love to be corrected, that can have coleslaw. Like when you said that, I went turkey ham sandwich, and I was like, what are we doing? (laughs) If I could jump in, one of the best sandwiches I've ever had in my entire life was a collard green sandwich at, oh gosh. In North Carolina. It was actually in Louisiana. It was in New Orleans. It's like the fox and the... Tur- uh, turkey and turkey the, and the wolf. Turkey and the wolf. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yes. you. That's on my wish list of places it, to go. I have been there. Literally, I think the best sandwich I've ever eaten in my life. It was collard greens with coleslaw. And I asked the server, I'm not a huge coleslaw fan. Should I get it without? And he said, no, eat it as is. And it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. They even served it on a retro McDonald's plate <laughs> with like grimace. And what? I was... I was extremely hungover. It was the just 
a wonderful moment. So I had to throw that in. Is this a vegetarian sandwich? I feel not because you, the best collard greens are going to be cooked with some sort of like yeah. ham hock or yeah, yeah, yeah. some sort but of fatty thing. was there a protein in it? Like was there also a slab of ham or turkey? Oh, no. It was collard oh. greens. Yeah, collard greens was the star. Oh, I see. Yes, and it was served on thick bread so it did not melt in your hands. Mm-hmm. It was the best sandwich I've ever del- had. Okay, that sounds delicious, Julie. And the coleslaw Julie? was on it, not it on It was the side. on it, yes. Oh. I have another coleslaw feeling that could be controversial. I like it when it's chopped finely so that in a single spoonful of coleslaw, you can have your little pieces of cabbage versus if you have the longer sort of julienne cabbage, especially if it's been tossed in a mayo sauce, it flicks, right? (laughs) So like you get a, you get a spoonful or a forkful and like some mayo hits your neighbor or yourself as you're like trying to, because it's a drippy mayo sauce. If it's correct like I want it now if it's finely chopped there's no flicking but also like sometimes you run the risk of no crunch if it's been sogged too yeah, long that's true yes yeah. and also be. when they're too long like that's just like it's attacking your mouth like that's not a way to I mean if you can't, you can't fit get it in, in your, your mouth, mouth that is my number one food rule like the sandwich that's two feet tall yeah I'm like besides the Instagram photo I'm mad about it coleslaw follows that same thing which is like right. that has to go in my mouth <laughs> It's a normal size mouth. We have way more thoughts on coleslaw than I thought we were. <laughs> I know, me too. I was like, let's talk about coleslaw, guys. And you're like, okay, guess. That's what happened on Twitter, it seems. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I have a super random Texas thing to talk about. Yeah, over the weekend, it was an honor that I was uh, judging the White Rock Q at Oak Highlands Brewery. And it's a really great event, and it's a ticketed event, but all proceeds benefit the Dallas Area Rape Crisis Center. So it all goes to a good cause. But anyway, I was there hanging out with a lot of folks who were watching some football, and there was one guy who was a Texas Tech grad, and he started talking about the Chilton cocktail. And I was just like, what are you talking about? I feel like I need to know about this. Now I kind of feel like a bad Texan for not knowing about it. Sarah, what about you? That's okay. I love a Chilton. <laughs> and we went a good two years where it was the only mixed drink in my life. Oh, wow. Because I like a vodka soda. It's locale. It's refreshing. It's easy to kick back a couple of them while you're watching a football game. I tell myself it's better for me than a couple beers. Right. I don't know if that's true, but half the battle is just what you tell yourself. Yeah. Um. So a Chilton is basically a vodka soda with a bunch of lemon juice in it. Mm-hmm. It's super sour. Okay. And I know the Lubbock roots and my Texas A&M husband wishes it were made in College Station instead of Lubbock because <laughs> like somehow like a football rivalry then extends to like the food that was right. created in those places. You can cities. never drink whatever. Yeah. But I love the Chilton. Yeah. And I think it was invented by a doctor named Chilton. Oh. In Lubbock. So I think. He would go to the local bar and order this vodka soda with lemon juice and I think a salted rim, and they named it after him. I like that story. And if you guys have a favorite Texas cocktail, please tell us about it at eatdrinkatdallasnews.com, and maybe we'll do a taste test. Thanks, guys. Stay tuned as we chat with Cowboys insider David Moore. Central Market is really into food. Like, when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. 
Welcome back. We're excited for football season this year. And if you're a Cowboys fan, you're going to love the newest podcast from the Dallas Morning News that's all about America's team. It's called Sports Day Cowboys, and it will feature regular appearances by Cowboys insider David Moore. David is a longtime sports writer for the Dallas Morning News and also talks about the Cowboys on the ticket. But today, he's also a member of the food team, and he's going to share his thoughts about Texas tailgating culture. Welcome, David. Thank you. That's a very kind way of saying I'm very old, and I appreciate how you gently (laughs) eased into that. Yes. Some people would say that tailgating is just as fun, if not more fun, than the game. How have you seen the Cowboys tailgating scene evolve over time? Well, after what happened in the Cowboys opener this year, I would say (laughs) tailgating may actually be preferable to watching the game (laughs) uh, based on the state of their offense and some of the injuries they suffered going forward. But, you know, I, I think it has evolved because, and this goes back to the, the days at Texas Stadium when it was in Irving, mm-hmm. it really wasn't much of a tailgating culture. I think there are a lot of reasons for that. I, I think one is the weather and just being in a big parking lot, and, and it just didn't have a good feel for that. But when they moved over to AT&T Stadium in Arlington, I, I think they made more of a conscious effort to recognize all of the peripheral entertainment, enjoyment that comes with a game. And you see it with the stage outside the stadium. Right. And you see more and more sports stadiums going to this. It's more of a, they want to create a street festival environment. And tailgating is really a big part of that. And especially the way that AT&T Stadium's designed, people are allowed to tailgate on the lawn portions that surround the stadium. I think they've really worked to include that in part of their entertainment culture for games in a way they did not when they were at uh, Texas Stadium. Yeah, and I wonder if part of that is because it's really expensive now to actually get into really the expensive. stadium. Yeah. I mean, I would think it's expensive to get a tailgate spot also. And um, the cost of concessions once you're in. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're, let's say you're not going by yourself, and most people aren't going to go by yourself. Say you go with a family of three or four, just the price of all those tickets, which are going to be well over 100 could be over $200 based on where you are. If you park anywhere close, that's going to be $75 for the parking spot. Bottled water, uh, you see in most stadiums now, that, that's 5 or $6 in, in right. places. And, and that's just your baseline to have something to drink. Uh, <laughs> right. that, that's not even getting to the stuff you really want to drink. So <laughs> right. um, I think this is also a recognition by the Cowboys and, and other sports teams you're seeing this as well. Although I do think the Cowboys have done a better job than many organizations of making it part of their culture, that we already know you've maybe overextended yourself just to come to one or two games a year. How can we still give you that experience and and let you cut down on the cost a little bit? Although I think some people do spend a lot of money on their tailgating. I can say from personal experience (laughs) that my family has done that. (laughs) And Sarah, I know you are a huge tailgater. Yes. Is it college football or? It is college football only. Okay. Yeah, we're a college football family. It doesn't mean that we don't like NFL, but the tailgating is specific to college football. Okay. My husband has been tailgating at A&M since he went to college there. Uh, he's had season tickets since he graduated from college there. I've known him for almost 15 years. And so for all of those years, we have had season tickets and uh, go to at least four home games every fall, sometimes more. Uh, and tailgate absolutely every single one of them, usually starting at 8 or 10 a.m., regardless of what time the game is. Right. That's amazing. It's that's major. A serious yeah, that's yeah. A, yeah, exactly. That is a commitment. Yeah, and I should say, because um, my college roommates, if they're listening, will be upset. I didn't go to Texas A&M. <laughs> I have a ton of maroon in my closet because we go to so many of these football games. I went to Mizzou. I'm also proud of that school, and we are an SEC family because both Texas A&M and the University of Missouri are in the SEC, but we get to my school once a year, 
and Chase's school five-ish times a year or more. And so um, I also tailgate at Mizzou when I'm there. (laughs) It's tailgating always. I mentioned that there are some really massive tailgate setups. What are some of the craziest ones that you've seen? Well, most of the ones I see at the Cowboys are a little more casual. In fact, the farther away you get from the stadium is, is where you have those. But I would say that the Dallas tailgating crowd really has a more diverse menu than many. <laughs> and it's point. because of where we're situated, right? Yeah. Because it's like you had the classic burgers and, and, and brats were essentially in the Midwest, but you also have tacos here. Uh, you have the barbecue. Mm-hmm. You have Cajun food. So I think just where we are, you see a wider mix than you do other places. I think that's a really good point, David. Our tailgates are always about barbecue for college football. And there are all kinds of rules about what is cooked. Like what exactly does that mean? It's is yeah, it brisket? So it's almost never a brisket. Okay. Which is a shame because when you think of Texas and barbecue and maybe throw in some football there, I think anybody from out of here would be like, of course you're smoking briskets. But the deal is most briskets take about an hour per pound to right. smoke. So let's say you have a 12-pound brisket, which is a pretty normal size brisket. You're looking at 12 hours to smoke that thing before you can eat it. Yep. And we're planners, but we're also drinkers. So like those two things, you know, <laughs> need to be thought of at the same time. So you got to feed people between like two and six if you've got a night game, which means somebody needed to put on the brisket almost exactly when the bars closed the night before so that you could have it ready for that 12-hour cook. And somebody can sleep outside in a chair next to the smoker and tend to the fire all night. And somebody has done that many, many times. But we're sort of old now. And the brisket is not always better than sausage and ribs, which can be done the morning and the early afternoon before the game. Now, if it's an 11 a.m. game or a 2.30 game, all this changes. Sometimes it becomes breakfast tailgate with Bloody Marys. But there is almost any time of day there's always smoked sausage. I have to make a breakfast casserole in the morning for the people who are cooking. So that is like eggs, hash browns, sausage, cheese, all in one big casserole dish and you bake it or you can stick it in the smoker but it takes a long time and then always louisiana hot sauce with that i feel like you have a whole excel spreadsheet for your tail there's well there's a lot to plan i mean really you want to do a lot of the prep work before you get there because of the drinking aspect that you mentioned (laughs) the drinking is the most important thing the eating is central yeah and then of course the football is important but the football happens at the end so i think it's important to mention that i think dips are an essential food during a football game however dips are not good at tailgates because you will make all your friends sick yeah. because they will sit out in the heat all day. And inevitably what will happen is someone will drink too much and then get into that six hours later because you've left it there. So we do simple sides, bags of chips. We make some mac and cheese sometimes, stick it in the smoker. That's really good. Queso in the smoker, also yeah. really good. Coleslaw. So <laughs> cold stuff is really tricky. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. coleslaw would be really good, Especially but not for the 100-degree game. Yeah. So it's it's almost no cold things, except for, of course, drinks. Right. And so then here comes the Yeti cooler plug. We own like a half a dozen Yeti coolers, and they are generally a better cooler, I think, than most of the others. And you do need cold drinks for 12 hours, yeah, at least. We used to buy tons and tons of beer, but White Claw really changed the game. So and it's like, regional, too. If, if you're Chicago, you're going schnapps. Okay. And yeah. Philadelphia. And, and, and again, the colder environments, you're, you're adapting to your conditions yeah. because you're out in them for four or five hours. Just like you have to adapt to the heat here. There, they have a completely different set of prep rules. And people in cold weather temperatures amaze me because I've always lived in the football state where it's like a little bit uncomfortably hot all the time. When I went to school in Mizzou, it was funny because like you could wear a sweatshirt to football games. And I thought that was like such a treat. It's yeah. slightly chilly football. But the whole like Wisconsin football thing where like you're wearing two beanies and you know two coats I just whoa those people get like an extra spot in heaven because that's not fun that's too cold (laughs) I would have to drink so much in order to feel slightly warm and they do 
And they do. Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> and so, David, what else have you seen in your travels and the, the tailgating scene? Weather is a huge factor in mm-hmm. this. So really, to me, it's like the, the Chicago, Green Bay, Kansas City, to some extent. That's kind of like the ideal tailgating crowd. You, you don't see it much on the West Coast, and, and it's a different sort. You know, East Coast, you do see it in New York and Philadelphia. There is something to be said just about the, the chill in the air and, and how people react to that. I mean, here sometimes, it you know, people just get beaten down because it's so hot. Now, again, I think Dallas ranks above in the upper half, for sure, uh, of NFL tailgate cities. Uh, you can probably make an argument for the top 10. I think there's also a whole person who just tailgates, like no game. My that friends, would be me. Is that clear? <laughs> you don't care about going into the game, no. but you'll go no, and no. try the, no, the but barbecue? I love, yeah, I mean, like, the thought of just hanging out and eating all day outside is like, yeah, sign me up. I'll say that's why I fell so hard into the Texas A&M thing, because a lot of my friends are like, whoa, that's a massive commitment to go to so many games every fall to a school I did not attend. Right. It's true, but... At the beginning, somebody was like, we're going to have an all-day party pretty much every Saturday until Thanksgiving. And I was like, man, I really like parties. So I would like to do that. <laughs> but, but it's yeah. event adjacent. Yes. You're, you're drafting off some of the energy of an event that you don't have to go to. Or spend and, the money for. and spend Or spend the money for. But you're still getting that energy. And, and in some ways, you get a better feel for the event than people who go in, right? Because some people are so intense watching the game they don't really interact with anyone around them it's just all them in the game where in in tailgate settings it it is more of a communal feel because you're talking the whole time you're interacting yeah we have one buddy shout out to turner who never would go into the games he didn't want to pay for a ticket and so he would tailgate hard with everybody before a game and everybody would go in and he would nap during the Texas A&M game. This is a Texas A&M graduate. Very strategic. Um, there are always televisions at the tailgate. And mm-hmm. so Chase and I own a trailer where we can put all our tailgate gear. And so there's always a TV. So like there could be watching of the football game, even if you're back at the tailgate. But Turner, bless his heart, would nap for most of it. And then when we came back, he was like ready to make drinks for everyone. It's awesome. It's a blast. I love that you have a trailer. That's when you know you have further fully committed. If you want to know yes. further <laughs> about the trailer, it is parked on someone's land near College Station, who we know, so that it doesn't have to be hauled from Dallas and back. But yeah, it was purchased mostly for televisions and coolers. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) And what about you, Claire? Who's the um, quarterback of the Cowboys right now? Dak Prescott. He's injured. (laughs) Yes. I know that. Yes. Correct. Uh, I know that the Cowboys lost (laughs) their opener. Yeah, I I really appreciate the culture behind tailgating. Mm -hmm. And I think that I could potentially get into it show up, tailgate, eat, go home. That sounds great. Miss the game traffic. Mm-hmm. I'm yep. just not, football's not my thing. Basketball all day long, but th- tailgating's oh, okay. not, you know. Yeah, why is that? Why don't, don't we know. tailgate basketball games? I don't, I don't know, because we do baseball. There's tailgating yeah. for the Rangers. College games. baseball Probably the timing is of the a game. big tailgate thing. Because yeah. it, it goes quicker. All this discussion kind of makes me think back to a friend of mine. He married someone who went to Harvard. And so at their wedding, there were a lot of Harvard people there talking about a lot of Harvard things. Um, but I'm sure I did. <laughs> I know exactly understand. what you mean, Erin. <laughs> and my friends who went to Harvard said that they had tea parties at their tailgate. Gasp. I wow. know. And I was just really just dumbfounded. Like, so I didn't no even. White Claw. No. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, stay with us. Coming up in our next segment, we'll hear from a listener about the no cell phone policy at Katarina's in Fort Worth. That's right after this. Hey, listeners. This is Christopher Wynn. I'm the arts and entertainment editor for the Dallas Morning News. And that, thankfully, includes the food team that you're listening to right now. 
What I love about this beat is that food stories are people stories. Restaurants say a lot about who we are, our culture, and the health and well-being of our communities. If you want to help continue supporting this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com slash listen. Welcome back, everyone. After our recent episode on the no cell phone policy at Katarina's restaurant in Fort Worth, we received feedback from a listener who is hearing impaired. It's from Andy McCoy O'Neill, and she says, I just listened to your episode on Katarina's, and as a hearing aid user, I have a different angle on the phone issue. Dining in restaurants was so difficult for me before hearing aid tech caught up with AI and other electronics. The background noise of music or other people's chatter makes it nearly impossible for me to converse with my table. I left dinners feeling isolated instead of refreshed. If you have an older relative who seems grumpy and disengaged at a family dinner, you may have experienced this issue from the other side. However, my hearing aid now uses an app on my phone to customize the noise cancellation options. My husband and I can finally enjoy a dinner out. In fact, my audiologist calls this tool date night mode. For some of us in the disabled community, our phones are more than a distraction. They are an accessibility tool. While I appreciate the goals of a policy like Katarina's, it makes me feel unwelcome as a disabled person. Most people don't consider accessibility issues until they are personally impacted, but for those of us in the community, it's glaringly obvious when our needs haven't been considered. So I thought this was super interesting because that was definitely not something I had thought of. Mm -hmm. And just that there is an app on her phone that allows her to enjoy a date night out. Sarah, you called Tim Love to get his response. I did. His answer was, of course, she can bring in her phone. And uh, his overall thought is they want to create an experience of happiness. And he thinks he's doing that by removing phones. Okay. But in no way does his company or does he want to make a disabled person not be able to enjoy their meal because she can't hear her spouse. So he did tell me that. He, okay. Yes, yeah, she yeah. can bring her phone. And he said simply... If she would call the restaurant and explain this, they would go out of their way to make sure she was comfortable and that she could use her phone. So I think we all feel good about that. That's yeah. that's good. And I think she, you know, represents a kind of person who's a little bit of an exception to this no phone rule. She's not bringing her ring light and doing selfies. Right. And for anybody who read <laughs> my story about Katarina's, part of Tim Love's idea behind removing phones was that he was sitting next to an influencer in a buzzy restaurant in Miami and her spotlight was in his eyes for two hours right. as he tried to have a nice birthday dinner yeah. with his wife. And so I think people can be uncomfortable with this idea that your phone is being taken away. And I think that's normal. I think that's okay to feel uncomfortable about it. When I asked him about it just last week, related to this issue of the hearing impairment, he says he's tired of talking about it. Right. <laughs> he's just kind of like, you know, we're trying to do something that's a little bit different and we thought it was special. A lot of people seem to have issues with it. And he's like, it seems to be people who haven't been to the restaurant. And if they would only come and eat the food and enjoy the experience, they might realize that it's kind of nice not to have your phone for a little bit. That's paraphrasing what he said. Yeah. But I think it's a fair point. Yeah, that's a very fair point. But I'm glad she brought it up. This also brings up just a general point about accessibility in restaurants that I'd really like to know more about. Beyond the ADA guidelines like wheelchair accommodation, what are some other things that restaurants could be doing to be more welcoming to those with various disabilities? We definitely want to hear from our listeners on this. So please tell us by emailing eatdrink at dallasnews.com. And thank you, Sarah, for um, reaching out to Tim Love on that. Yeah, I'd love to answer questions. If people listen to our podcast or read our stories and yeah. have more they want to say, more to discuss or just questions, yeah. that's like the delight of this job, honestly. And that's all the time we have for Eat, Drink, DFW this week. Thank you all for joining, and I hope we've made you hungry for more. 
The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of this show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Erin Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.